0: Hey, what's up everyone. Wanted to let you know about some exciting things happening with MXU now over the summer and this crazy quarantine season, myself, Jeff, and some of our friends have been adding to the library for MXU now, and we've done something else. We've lowered the price so you can now be a subscriber for as low as $15 a month. And there's new team pricing that you can sign up all of your volunteers. So this summer, Jeff, myself, Corey Edwards. Chris Stevens and Brad Maddox have all contributed. I think our video editor has about 75 videos he's editing right now. They're gonna come out in the next two months. So make sure you check that out. Head over to www.mxu.rocks to check that out. Now, enjoy the podcast. You are now entering the MXU
1: Podcast. No credentials required. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of the MXU Podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here today with my good buddy, Lee Fields, as always. How are you Three doing, Lee?
0: Three dozen. Three dozen. That's right. 36 I'm 36 counting. now. Wow. I'm getting well, old, Jeff. You can't make fun of me for being young anymore. You're catching up um, slowly. You're still winning. I am,
1: and it will always be. <laughs> but the great thing is, I'm super excited because we are turning up the heat on the MXU podcast in terms of frequency. So we have a lot of folks lined up in an ever-growing line of special guests that you're not going to want to miss hearing from. So we're going to have a bunch of episodes coming up quickly. But today, I'm telling you, this conversation
0: is pretty great. Every second of this one, I think, is my favorite (laughs) podcast we've ever done. Well, it's just always cool to hear surprising things
1: from people that you knew of but didn't personally know. So that's kind of... What today brings us, we're um, we're interviewing uh, Chris Raybold, who has mixed for, huh, as you'll hear, about everybody. Uh, but he's a good friend of Pooch's, and and now a good friend of ours. And we're just thrilled to, to be able to learn from him. And how nice of a guy is this? Oh my gosh! It's like I just want to go hang out
0: and just talk all day. Well, we're going to. Yes, we are. Uh, after this podcast ended. I uh, conned him, I mean, talked him into, actually didn't take much talking at all. He's so open and wanting to hang out and teach. He's going to end up doing some videos for us as well. So yeah, can't wait. Pretty freaking excited. Well, okay, I say we without further get right ado, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take it away to, I think this is my favorite interview we've done to date. Let's hear it. Enjoy. Okay, folks, this is Long Overdue. I'm very excited that our special guest today is Chris Raybold. Chris, how you doing?
2: Good, man. How
0: are you guys? We are awesome. And we just learned that you and Jeff were neighbors forever and didn't know it. That's right. Well, sort of neighbors. I mean, 60 miles apart, I guess,
1: but yeah. We're in both the same in, part of the South. Both so in that, Georgia, both yeah. in the same part of the state. Yeah. 60 Close miles
0: enough. in the South is like five miles in, on the West Coast. Yeah. Just down
1: That's the true. road is the way I yeah. like to
2: describe Atlanta.
1: Yeah, just down the road. It might take you two
0: hours to get across
2: right. town, but hey, we're they just across town. They don't need to know that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So uh, a lot of our listeners, if they don't know Chris, um, you've been pretty active on the internet lately. You and Pooch, who is a friend of MXU, you guys have been doing some... Uh, YouTube videos. You're doing all kinds of stuff right now. So if you've seen someone hanging out with Pooch that acts like he knows what he's talking about, first of all, (laughs) he does know what he's talking about. And this is that guy. So uh, that's me. We're stoked to have you. And this was going to happen about a year ago. Andrew Stone had actually reached out to you to do a podcast and we didn't even know it. So then a few weeks ago, Jeff reached out and then we put that together. So I'm glad this kind of came full circle. We were able to make this happen for sure. Me too. So Chris, um, you've been mixing for a while. I've been watching some of your videos with Pooch. So, um, if, if those out there listening, haven't done that, go to YouTube and, and search these guys and watch their videos. They're absolutely awesome. But you're, you're one of the top guys out there, man. Like you are mixing front of house for the biggest bands in the world. You Pooch, Scoville, all those guys. So why don't you just tell us like how you got into this, were you a musician, gearhead, gear junkie, and then, and what led you to be mixing for, you know, Bruno Mars and Kenny Chesney?
2: Sure. You know, it's funny too, like with that intro, which thank you very much, as you guys know now, since it's all on pause, it's so funny. I hear it and I'm like, I'm in yapping mode now. Like I, I talk to Pooch for a living, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. I do those things. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for the little reminder, uh, that felt good, uh, how I got into it. So, you know, I kind of, I've got the one story and I'm sticking to it. So I I like to begin with the fact that for me growing up, music was, was a passion, but it was never necessarily a path. Like my stepdad taught me how to play a few songs on guitar and I could kind of mess around on the drums and on the keys a little, but I never really, I didn't pursue it. I was really in athletics and I just, sort of as I am as an adult, when I get into something, I just kind of go after that, you know? Yep. So here I was, this young athlete thinking I'm going to go play college football. And life intervened. And I got injured. And it was pretty clear that that wasn't going to happen. So moved on, went to college, came down here to where I am now in Athens, Georgia, mainly because I was just enthralled with the music scene here and had been since I was a kid. I just always knew. I grew up in Kentucky near Nashville. Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, I just always knew there was something special about Athens. So headed down here, um, and you know, my story was literally—it it was a decision. I was sitting on this couch in where I lived with a bunch of guys. And I was going, I was jumping through all the same hoops I'd jumped through already. I'd gone to a pretty hard private school, academically very tough. And here I was taking, you know, what you do in college. You know, you're taking English 101, and you're taking Spanish, and you're doing I'm just like, man, I've done all this, you know. and uh, And I'm like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to do on this planet that's going to make me feel good? And it was around that time that I had really gotten interested. Unlike a lot of folks, I became interested in live audio first. I wasn't like a studio guy stumbled into a live sound, I was interested. Like, I would go to concerts, and that, for me, was was very, very important. It was a big part of, of my experience growing up. And I was always curious why it sounded the way it did. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking back on it, I was going to shows in, like, armories and VFWs and these rough clubs. And I was like, wow, well, this doesn't sound very good. Now I know what I know. I'm like, man, those guys were doing all they could to get what they <laughs> yeah. could out of those environments. But I was really into it. And because of my involvement in athletics, I was also really into – just the way things are all put together, just the way all the pieces come together to make this one thing. And so I'm sitting there staring at the floor thinking, what do I want to do? And I'm like, you know what? I want to mix music. I want to put those pieces together. And I very clearly knew that I wanted to do live audio. So it really was just that simple. It was a decision. Um, Now from there, as you know, it took many, many different paths, twists and turns to get me anywhere. And like most people, it was a series of Fortunate and unfortunate, you know, happenings along the way. The big one, though, for me was I eventually I went to Georgia. I went to the University of Georgia for one quarter. At that that point, they were in the quarter system. Passed somehow, passed all my classes. But with my kind of lack of interest, said, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to take a take a break. <clears throat> I started delivering pizzas, as wow. one does, right. And I'm also at this time helping friends with their local bands, like load in and out of clubs. I, mean, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm helping yeah. them set up. I mean, I'm talking zero idea what I'm doing. But uh, here's
1: a van that pulls up, and all the gear has to get out and on stage somewhere. So you're just making it happen.
2: I am. And I got to be honest with you. As much as I loved and from the jump was into audio, I love our business. And I was very enthralled with the camaraderie and just the movement of everything and how all the different pieces come together, to make, again, to make this thing. So I was really into the the motion and the movement of it. Um Long story short, I had a mutual friend who worked with this band, Widespread Panic. that was from Athens, Georgia. Yep. And I basically just kind of got on board with them as Kid Roadie. And, I mean, I was—for it for, for a while, I was driving myself around. And they would just pay me gas to get from show to show. And I was just happy to be a part of it. And I was. I mean, I was, to this day, probably the happiest I've ever been in my life. It was just—it was such a such a joy. They had one truck— they had two buses, and to me, that was Monsters of Rock. I mean, yeah. that was just the, the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So did that for a little while. Um, Stock coolers full of beer, sold T-shirts. Eventually, they let me unload that one semi, and you talk about a feeling of just wonder and joy, you know. It uh, Did that, and then lasted a couple tours, and then told management, I said, guys, look, I want to get serious about audio. And uh, I decided I'd head up to Nashville, and I went to MTSU, where I went to school, Um, And then they just started working in all the clubs and the bars and the frats and the churches and the whoever would have me. I mean, literally, you know, so it's kind of that tale. So I was, I kind of started at a good spot, but I knew that's not where I wanted to start from. And I don't know what my path would have been from there. So I just kind of dropped back down, started getting my theory in school, practice in the real world, and then just let things go. Um, To kind of summarize, but also fast forward, about four or five years later, I had kept in touch with Widespread Panic. They were getting rid of, or not getting rid of, their production manager was moving on, and he called me and said, "Hey, do you want to come? We know you've never been a production manager, but we've, you know, we've kept in touch. We followed you. Do you want to come take the reins here? And we'd rather have you than some, you know, superstar that we pulled that doesn't quite know us." And I'm like, "Sure, of course I would." Went, did that, jumped on board with them. Eventually, would end up mixing them. did that for a decade. And then one day I got a call driving down the road here to come fill in on this sort of secretive big tour. They wouldn't tell me what it was. Turned out it was Lady Gaga. And that's where the second part of my story begins. So next thing you know, I'm thrust and I answer the phone. Can you get on a plane in 12 hours? It's one of those things. And next thing you know,
0: who called you?
2: Yep. It was Tom Arco from eighth day. Okay. I was literally just driving down the road and I was a buddy of mine was in the car. I'm like, Oh, Tom's calling. What's going on? And I used 8th Day for widespread panning. They were our provider. And he was just, hey, look, here's the deal. We've got this, you know, there's this artist. She's fired one engineer. She's waiting on this other engineer to come in. It's this big, huge deal. We just need you to fill this time to do all, you know. Looking back on it, it was insane because I ended up setting up the session for this other guy. I wrote the whole tour, but then I wasn't quite comfortable with how he wanted to do it. So I made my own So I could get through and did all this. And I had never been in a big political firestorm like that before. I had no earthly idea what I was walking into, you know? Uh, And so that began. Anyway, it went well. I would eventually end back up there as the guy. The production manager, uh, he and I befriended one another. He called me to go on Beyonce before that began. So and then it's just a, you know, the 10 years of just nonstop movement is kind of how it went. That's crazy. So
1: from, from dreaming about what this would be like one day at the 40 watt club, while you're watching a show in Athens to stadiums with these world, I mean, superstar artists. Yeah. That's, that is quite
2: the journey. Yeah. And that is exactly it. That's exactly how it happened. What's funny.
0: I don't know if you know this and maybe just correct me, but the story you just told is and I don't mean this disrespectful, it's like the stereotypical thing of it what is. we tell young people to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you go unload vans for the local band at the club mm-hmm. and you be nice and you be friends with them and you just yes. keep grinding and hustling and busting your tail. And then you got to learn, and but you got to be really good. And if you do all those things and stick at it for a long amount of time, 10 years with widespread panic, mm-hmm. and you know, use your network, and then the next thing you know, it's not like it's going to happen. I mean, like there's a lot of luck, right? There, it's just Tons. right place at the right time, knowing the right people. We like, we all know that like your job. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was a Forbes article, like most competitive jobs in the world. It's like NFL coach and front of house engineer for pop stars. It's like amazing.
2: It, I, I did not, but that's yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's
0: only how many NFL coaches are there? How many front of house engineers are there for superstars? There's it's not many. Funny. Yeah, it's like we could name, like I couldn't name all
1: 32 NFL head coaches. I could probably name half of them. Yeah. I don't know that I could name 32 world-class front of house engineers. No. You know, it, are there even 30? I don't know. I that's know. Funny. Well, that's
2: the funny thing. It's like now once, and then once that you somehow get in that circle, I mean, there it is so few names. And it's funny that you said that too, because I often reference the NFL coaching carousel that it's very, very similar to what we do. Like once you're in, you're North Turner. You can mix for 30 (laughs) different people. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you go four and 12 in most places. You're just, you're a name. Right. Because if
0: there's 50 superstars, how
2: many managers are there? Exactly, twenty. Right, uh, right. And then the trick at a certain point becomes people can be wowed by the resume with thirty names. Yeah, mm-hmm. which a lot of times is kind of a red flag in and of itself. You know, is why are, why are there so many names? You know, because you never went back anywhere. Right. That's so, interesting. But you know what? You're right as far as the stereotype and and almost kind of like the oh, just show up and put on a smile. Kind of. Thing. There's truth to that. There is. And 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 I'll and I'll have people hit me up from time to time. They're like, hey, the. Uh, you know, a mutual friend has given me your name, and I'm getting ready to go out on my first tour, and we want to talk about negotiating salary. And I've hit some of those people back on the side. Sometimes it's in a group, and I'm like, look, I got to be honest with you. I work for free. Yes. You know, I did. Yes. Kind of just with this belief, and I know it sounds cheesy, and I know it's cliche that if you do work hard, and the, and the be nice thing, just be a... Be a decent human being, you know, please and thank you. Carry yourself with your own sense of respect, but respect for others that that will eventually pay off. And there's no guarantee in that, but I kind of just went with that and, and, and got very lucky that it worked out.
0: Yeah. And the unspoken thing, like I said, is you got to
2: be freaking good. You know, Mm -hmm. you cannot suck. You got to be freaking on the ball. And that's the good part about where I kind of, I did this. I mean, my ascent wasn't school- internship at Claire Brothers, start mixing the opener on Metallica. I've got front of house gear. I mean, it was like this. Yeah. So there was plenty of time to suck. Yeah. I mean, I just, I go back and I think about these acts I work for and thinking like, well, maybe the snare bottom should be louder than the snare top. Just these horrible things that i performed <laughs> on these acts, you know? And I, I mean, I think about that exact thing. I'm like, God, how did I get away with that? Yeah. But- it's funny
1: though, because I I tend to look back on my start in the studio world as mm-hmm. a lot of that too. I mean, I- I had the privilege and the curse of working with a lot of untalented people in this sort of independent yes. recording studio but because of that I got to experiment and I got to it was almost like there was a safe place to fail without anybody really noticing or mm-hmm. without any like to fail on a smaller stage so to speak so that I could learn mm-hmm. you know cuz there's only so much I mean MTSU is a great program and I'm sure that you look back on that as a great experience, but there's only so much you're going to learn in a classroom Yes. until you start applying it in a real setting with a real PA, with people in the room. And, you know, to your analogy about sports, it's like, it's not only putting the pieces together and running the playbook, but it's how does the, how does the crowd respond? Mm-hmm. You know, is the, are the fans cheering like they would at a football game or whatever? It's like, is what I'm doing actually eliciting the, the response Emotionally and audibly from the audience that I'm going for, so Mm -hmm. to have that kind of slow, sort of stock market type (laughs) up to the right, I think is a is a great analogy. Yeah, it's cool.
2: Yeah, and you know, and you're right. It really is. I struggle saying literally saying this adjective sometimes, but experientially, you know, you're just it. And I'm a big believer of training. You know, of 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 just going at it repetition, time after time after time. And you just, you go and you think about the, all the shows you've done. I'm glad you mentioned that about the, there's the sonic representation of what we're doing. How does it sound? And then there's the experience. Are they moving? Well, why aren't they moving? Hang on. Is it me? Okay, but well, what about, oh, I've noticed when I do this, they move better. And there are, I do believe there are two different facets to a live performance of any sorts. There's the There's the audio portion, but then there's the experiential part too and how do we craft that to make it work cuz ultimately that's what the, that's what you want and that's what the and that's what the artist wants to see and wants to feel is that is that movement you know so i'm i'm, that, I'm glad you you mentioned that
0: uh i want to go back to that but i don't want to lose something else the second observation i had was you mentioned the word political firestorm and you it was kind of related to the second part of your career so mm-hmm. like We've talked to Pooch about this and Scoville and a lot of these guys. And when you get into that mixing for a superstar, it, how much of it do you think is it half mixing, half political firestorm? Like there's something to the temperature of the seat at front of house gets warmer, right? It's getting, it's much more hot mixing for probably Lady Gaga than an opener at the VFW yes. in, in Athens. So talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah and it and it's an exponential amount of heat uh, yeah that that increases um one one I don't know if it's such a good thing one thing I think that's worked in my favor and I don't suggest this but as I as all, I have always put so much pressure on myself you know I'm kind of been sort of always been that way where my expectations and the bar is set so high on my end that it's almost like whatever you can bring at me is probably not going to be that. It just comes in with different flair now, like, you know, and there's all sorts of different messengers and there's different, and there are different ramifications and there's literally more money on the line that, that sorts of of thing. But, um, how much of that do you think comes from sports like
1: growing up and being that sort of setting high standards for yourself? all, All of it. All of it. Yeah. That's how I am too. It's like, you know, for me, I'm if I'm mixing and something goes wrong, I'm way harder on myself yeah. than the manager or the client rep or whoever's standing beside me.
2: Yeah. And it or really the does pastor or whoever. Oh, completely. And 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 so much of my so much of this feel to me mimics that that it mimics growing up in athletics. It just mimics that whole sort of, you know, wanting to be a good teammate, but also be the best, but not be too much. And not, to, it's just, it's so incredibly similar. And to this day it is, it gets, as you guys know, it gets lonelier uh, as, as you become the only person, whether it's at front of house or, you know, in modern world or whatever, you're kind of the only guy on that team, you yeah. know? Um, but uh, yeah, it all, it it's all very, very similar. But um, yeah, as far as like how to navigate it and what the percentage is, that's a great question. I would say it's at least 50-50. Wow. And there, there are certain people, for sure, like I mentioned, once you get in this little group, you become Norv Turner. Right. Uh, you guys don't know who that is. That is a, a coordinator slash head coach in the NFL who has been with everyone, everybody. And he just keeps showing up. Um, I feel like there's a lot more of those than there are really, because I've been to – I'm sure you guys have too. I've been to every supposed Top Gun show out there, at some point, and with the understanding that that's only one small sample size and understanding all the variables working against us in any given moment. But I've been to, I've been to a lot of those shows and, you know, a lot of times you're just like, huh, okay.
0: You know, yep. and you're,
2: but you know, they're great at something. And a lot of times that it might not be kissing up to the artist. It might be handling the artist people in the right way. Yeah. Um, So, and I feel very strongly that that is like, I I will tell you this that is a skill set I possess, but I do it without, and I've been quoted as saying this before, I try to do it by staying me because that way I don't have to drift in and out of character. You know, that's a
1: really good point. You know,
2: and and, and get, thank you. And and, and, you know, you don't get caught, oh, I wasn't standing on me. It's literally, it's just me. Like, it's the same version of me that you get. And I feel like that's a lot easier way to just keep a, Keep a straight path with people, so it is a skill set and at times I enjoy it I do I enjoy the the political victories because they're difficult they're they're just as hard as you know navigating a, a tough room but um and I think they can exist anywhere in any a difficult person is a difficult person period you know wherever you encounter them yeah, so most of
1: our listeners are from the church world and I think you know, <laughs> the place that should be the best relationally <laughs> can sometimes be the most difficult in mm-hmm. terms of just healthy culture and how to have a, a difficult conversation and how to manage conflict well. It's like, you know, church folks should be good at that considering what we at least say about what we believe in terms of how our life interacts with people. But sometimes it's just the opposite of that. So I think that's a it's just a great insight to go, man, in the in the heart of all that, whether it's a a tough conversation or a leadership decision that you don't agree with or whatever, to maintain your personal personality and character and mm-hmm. integrity in the midst of that is it'll go a long way.
2: Yeah, it, it it'll it'll carry you further for sure. Just because it's e- simply out of ease, it's just easier to maintain who you are. You know, um, if you know who you are, there, there's that it, side too. And like, how long does it take to figure that out? Right, and the other thing too, you know, I I cop to this all the time with 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 pride. I reserve the right to be freaking out on the inside, or to be questioning (laughs) what the right move is in this moment. You know, like there's a lot of times when it's coming at me heavy, and I'm going, "Oh boy, is this the day I walk? Is this it?" Or just, or you're just filled with your own emotions of just like what you know. It's what you project outwardly. You know, yeah. and then over over time, hopefully, it becomes easier to really feel that um, on the inside, you know? Yeah. So You know, it's interesting. I got to tell you guys, I recently was hooked up with a church here in Athens, just outside of Athens. Shout out to Watkinsville First Baptist. Come and, on. And they, yeah. And they, there is this amazing, I've had the best experience there, but I see Particularly as the churches gets bigger, it's, it's just like a big, it's just a bigger gig. There's more on at stake. There's more on the line. There's bigger personalities, we'll say. Um, I've had a wonderful experience there, but it's like that's a whole new world to me. I had I had been asked to go through a guy, a physical therapist that was working on my shoulder. He's like, "Hey, my buddy runs this church, and they've got like a big DMBPA and a Digico SD something." And I went in there and uh, consulted over time, helped him tune the rig. Really had a blast. Next thing you know, COVID hits. I am there in a field every Sunday now in my little Coleman lawn chair with my iPad hooked up to an M32, which for years, I've watched these guys with iPads. If I go to like a club or something, I'm like, man, I would not even know how to do that now. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and there I am, I'm doing it. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. But I, but like peeking behind that curtain now, I now see how that is, you know, I'm dealing with the pastor. I'm dealing with the, well, excuse me, I'm dealing with the um the youth minister who's taking over for this weekend and i am looking feeling the different energies yeah. of them and i'm like oh oh he's you're like the- i got my one shot he's- we're gonna go big baby yeah. <laughs> and and I'll, you know it's so funny like when i started with these guys like, we had like a quick rehearsal one night and I mean, everybody's great, and they're all like wrapping cables and doing all these things themselves, and it's wonderful. And then the the pastor shows up, and it's like, well, we we need to check his mic. We need to check the pastor's mic, and it becomes this very kind of. Right. I'm like, oh, he's the star. <laughs> I get it, you know. And it like yeah. the whole the whole vibe changed, and I'm like, got it, been here before, right, you know. So Except it's, Lady it's Gaga's
0: sister can't take the headline slot for her in Cincinnati. You know, right. That hasn't right. happened.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Totally. So it's been an interesting and oh man, you talk about grateful experience uh, hooking up with those guys. So that's yeah, very cool. Yeah, that is cool. cool.
0: Okay. So now back to the, let's see if I can say the word experientially. Is that, right? yeah. is that what it was?
2: <laughs> we'll just say back to the experience. Back component to the experience. Of
0: it all. Okay. Right. So I haven't, Actually, I take this back. I was going to say I haven't heard you mix, but I let me see if I did. Did okay. you mix Chesney when he had an EV rig out, or was that
2: before you? No, that preceded me.
0: Okay. I heard that tour, so I did not hear you mix. Um, I My buddy, though, heard you on Bruno two mm-hmm. summers ago, maybe, in Sacramento. And uh, he's a drummer, and he's an engineer, and he raved about the drums.
2: Oh, thanks. So I, rem- I actually remember that show. That was a good show. They've oh, got a well, new good. arena there. So we're set up to impress in those environments. Okay,
0: great. <laughs> so yeah. it's one thing to impress a front of house engineer, but to impress one, that's a drummer about the drums. I was like, okay, this, this guy's not a hack. He's not one of those. Yeah. He's not right. North Turner <laughs> and doesn't know how to run, uh, hey. a, an option offense. Okay.
2: You're right. So, <laughs> um,
0: talk to me about drums. Like I'm I'm sure you're like yes I love drums because if if he was like your drums are awesome I'm sure you love them and then, it the experience with drums to me that's one very easy way like getting that right just makes the experience better for people so I've heard you and Pooch talk about microphones and stuff like that so let's just geek out on what you're what you're doing with drums
2: I love that question <clears throat> and I love that question for so many reasons and a big thing you know in live sound that it's it's easy to kind of rip on the live sound community is that it It often is the place of lead kick drum, you know, yep. where, and, and I got to tell you, I was sitting there this weekend in my little lawn chair over here at Watkinsville First Baptist. And I'm going, this is all drums. I'm doing this for me. Like that guitar is way back there. It's so easy yep. to go there because it is, there's this really fine line between, I feel like that's the first like jedi level skill that you get as a mixer is you you really hone in your drum sound yeah you know yeah Mm -hmm. but it's easy to never progress from there to have super drums the vocal on top then everything else sits down there maybe you get the solos right and i gotta be honest with you guys that's a path for success if you just do that you're gonna be all right but i've been to some football stadium shows that would have been awesome if they had done that if, right. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, to your point, and this is another reason why that's a great question. So there's the caveat. There's the get-me-out-of-jail-free card in that, <laughs> hey, I realize that if drums are too loud, it's a lame look. Don't do it. Here's the truth. We need that trans—as I see it—we need those transients. We need that peak information to punch. Yep. That elicits excitement, particularly in a difficult room. And sometimes— that is really all you're going to get out with any definition. Whereas the big heavy chordal stuff is gonna sit there. I don't care how well the room is tuned, if it's the it's the right or wrong room with the right or wrong system, it's just gonna swim, you know? Yep. So and and I can tell by even by the way you phrase that question that you you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Sometimes that's totally. just you just need it. And and I'll notice that when I set up mixes and uh rehearsals, and they're very they're this, they're these album things, you know. Once the tour gets going, those drums get a little louder. The vocal gets a little drier and a little louder. Sometimes and eventually, you know, we're heading right back to board tapes from the clubs. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the thing, and so then, so then it really becomes: how do I get this awesome drum sound, but then make everything else equally have power around it? And depending on what genre you're in, that might mean any number of different things, like doing more pop and R&B. I've had to learn how to make keys, which we all know how difficult keys can be particularly uh-huh. live, particularly digital p- pianos specifically. Um, I've had to learn how to make those powerful and how to make those matter. If I do like the rock stuff or the country stuff, it's the guitars, which seem to be a little easier. Um, so how I do it is very specific, but I, but I will admit that there is a really fine line between running out of literal headroom, room in my stereo bus, Um yeah and 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 getting everything else to sit, so I try to be really specific with game structure so that I can if I build this powerful drum mix, I then get my band mix, but then the drum mix gets too loud, I've actually got a little bit more like we can kind of do this for a minute and I don't run out of literal room, yeah, you know
0: that's great, so you mentioned transients, and that's massive for me. Have you experienced maybe up until now that we've got these just stupidly powerful p a s but even before k one and GSL, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, generation before I would be in an arena with 12 boxes of you name it. And the system tech sometimes look at me and be like, your snare drums
2: hitting the limit. You're in limit. I'm like, well, how in the world? It's only a hundred DB. Like it would drive me crazy. Yep. Yep. And, and that's one thing Pooch and I've talked a lot about is, um, you know, as you get further into it is understanding, you know, raising RMS level. Yeah. Raising that average level, and that's really where the money is. I like to say peak level is the truth. Like you will clip, and once you've clipped, you've clipped. Yeah, you're either gonna you're either gonna clip even in the digital realm now, where we can't always clip internally. Uh, we can clip a converter, or we can hit, go to limit in the system. So where peak is the truth, RMS, I say it's free. What I mean is that's what you want to learn to. Increase, but doing that without rounding off those transient too much. Again, it's just it's just challenge after challenge after challenge. So yes, I've been there a bazillion times where I'm I'm clipping, or I'm peaking, or I'm into compression, and I too am just like how how yeah you know? right
1: because on the back of the spec sheet for this loudspeaker it says
2: this thing can do one hundred twenty seven dB. Like what are you doing? I know, <laughs> I know. And so, it gets, man, a million times have I been yeah. there. So. That's it, and then you just Man, learn that's about. That's really good. Well, thanks, and then you know it's just learning how to raise that RMS level, and then particularly when tracks come into play, which are all at this. Right. Here's the peak, and here's the RMS. Good luck, you know. And right. suddenly, your big loud drum sound is this little pippy thing that's not getting up and over. So yeah, that's modern mixing. You know so how do we how, how do we remain competitive against that?
0: Can you put into words how to get great, powerful sounding drums? in a big loud mix that that's not all you hear like I've heard it before Mm -hmm. like um who did this Toby Francis did this Ariana Grande I thought those drums sound amazing it's big pop Mm -hmm. drum kit but the tracks and her vocal were still on top which is what everybody in that arena wants to hear anyway it is but the drums were still there and it was like
2: Mm -hmm. that's so hard to do Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I can tell you how I do it. And and you're right. I heard that his most—I heard him most mix the last two of her tours, and and I heard that same thing. I think for me, it's knowing about—for me, it's all about having a very specific target gain structure where I want, for instance, my drums to hit at this point uh, with regards to peak level. And anybody who's seen me talk or heard me talk, rather, is like, God, you're such a broken record. But that's how strongly I feel about it, and that's the only approach I have. So I feel very strongly about having a very specific gain structure that I try to hit so with my drums. Are you talking about input level of all the drum In- Input channels? level. Okay. Input level, pre-fader, pre-processing anything. Um, and like for me, that's either negative 10 or negative 15 or whatever the scaling is on the desk. Yeah. I'm, I'm now I'm drifting towards the lower numbers these days. Okay. Um, and all of that came, I used to just kind of gain everything the same, and that's fine. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. I would gain everything the same, and then I would just adjust accordingly. But it it all started when I started doing tracks and band, and I'm like, I need to mathematically handle this better because if it's not a very well put together set of tracks, in other words, if it's like here's the album, here's the band, suddenly I've got two things, they're all summing together. That's at least six dB of gain, you know, right. By- definition. Yep. It, right. So I, I had to learn how to sort it out in my head. So I came up with a very specific gain structure and that's peak on the inputs. It's also peak on the tracks. And then with the instruments, it only varies slightly between what the certain instruments are. So for me, I go about it. I gain things right where I want it. Let's say it's negative 15. I will apply whatever processing is available to me. Uh, with drums, it's not as much compression as it is, not traditional compressors, so much as it is harmonic distortion, which is ultimately limiting. Yeah. Yeah it, you, you you know it is it's to just say i don't use shaving it, off those transients I'm, sh- I'm shaving off the top and you got to find the right one that does it in the right way so uh and i try to build the strongest biggest dry meaning there's no parallel compression just yeah. this one my drum bus which has some effects and it has this and that but that's just my drum sound and i look and i see where that's hitting on the meter and i want to have plenty of headroom i want to have 10 more res- realistically 5 DB of headroom, and then I, I look at where that is. And then I do – I incorporate parallel compression after that. It's only the shells. I don't throw overheads. or so. I will throw the overheads from time to time if I get really brave. The occasional reverb, I'll throw that into that bus. And sometimes I incorporate yet another bus. And I find – and that's where you get the polished, modern, hear sound. Yep. That's where that RMS level really goes up. And that's where you're left with this hulk of a drum sound that then – like let's talk about the tracks, it could be anything but the tracks that you then pepper those around. And again, because I've left myself sufficient headroom, they can grow and level. They can do, they can move all around, but that drum sound is very solid. It's very much the anchor. And part of the way with tracks, and I'll just say this and then I'll be quiet. The way that I handle those is depending on let's say they're pretty decent tracks probably not as much dynamic processing particularly if they're like really good tracks if they're all over the place yes but and that's the worst because you're using compression and limiting to as problem solvers but they're ultimately marring the tonality but a lot of eq a lot of pushing those up seeing what the resultant effect of the summation is and going oh if i just pull some 300 a lot of 300 out of those tracks, oh, now it sits great, and it did this. So it's not big fader moves so much as amplitude via frequency sp- specific moves. If that makes sense, so that's kind of a. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does that's that's makes, very cool. makes great that, sense. That's a re- that's my recipe for for doing it. So without
1: giving away all the voodoo, if you did a third drum bus, mm-hmm. what would that consist of?
2: Yeah, and I actually love giving away the voodoo because I don't even know if my voodoo's right. Uh, <laughs> like, and I and I love this because it's like this is how I. I mean. I learned we talked about getting in the van and undoing whatever you got to do. Man, if that, if that's, in the mid 90s for me, it was Mix Magazine and every print mag I could get. It was brochures. It was, I forgot what the website was like Road Dog or some incredibly oh, long URL type thing. Was that Remember CTS's that one?
0: little website it, of blogs? It's,
2: not that one. I looked at that one too. It's what would eventually become what Pro Sound Web has taken over now. Oh, okay. It's wherever that began, and like no – I mean, I would just or I would ask engineers like, "Hey, what do you do?" And in the end, we we still all have to do it. Um, yeah. By the way, can
1: I tell you how much I miss the old Mix magazine? Oh, I mean those those thick issues that come in the it, mail. It's like, and like the I was Sears like, catalog. <laughs> go to go to Stephen Saint Croix's comma column in the very first reading, and just I know. It was hilarious and in-depth. And, I mean, Craig Anderson and all those guys it's like, it. we need to bring that back. What's we a movie? Now they're people? like, they're, I know.
2: Now they're like <laughs> exactly. pamphlets, yeah. you know? Um, just ads. And, and I got so much from that, so much. And now that yeah, I look back, too. I'm like, it was just people spouting things. But I tried them. And that doesn't mean they stuck. And with regards to the voodoo, like, um, again, talking about Pooch, he and I shared a show file once where I set it up, I handed it to him, I came back, grabbed it a year later, and it was so interesting to see like the things he did that worked awesome. But they just felt different to me, so I had to change them back to me. So it was just my voodoo. Yeah. Um, but to answer the question, I'll have super nerdy here. <clears throat> this is when I have access to all my stuff. I love the sound of a very snappy, modern, VCA-based compressor um, where the transient just gets around that threshold, that – at the for me the slowest I'll go is 3 milliseconds. I'm more of the 10 to 30 and I'm talking about truly VCA based bus compressors like SSL nowadays the API the 2500 um, API. Yeah. Yep. Any any of that kind of stuff, you know, and it's like that snappy hard yep. push it forward sound, but I don't like that to lead the way. So I'll have one bus that is that sound that's tucked under and it gets it gets to be pretty loud. It's it's never one to one for me um, because that becomes too weird and too mechanical. But it is typically does end up at about the same spot. Like I gain match them, I peak match them, um, I sneak that up and under. But then I also will like something that's either just pure distortion or maybe uh, there's this compressor by Overstayer called the SFE. It's a FET based compressor, but it has incredibly uh, uh varied uh attack and release times way more so than your traditional eleven seventy six yeah it has a harmonics function that you can engage that really almost does this smiley face on it so I get this brighter aggressive other flavor excuse me of compression, and I'll slide that up in there too so i'm I'm managing the snappy. Which that's kind of what everyone defaults to anyway, mm-hmm. is that kind of compressor, yeah, mixed with this colored, gushy, bright, distorted thing, and I just kind of manage them. And sometimes I'll find it's just one or the other, um, or sometimes that third bus is only the kick, you know, or only the snare. Um, so it kind of varies, but that's sort of my thought process around the multiple buses. That's cool. Just, just different that. flavors.
0: So snappy drums and transients, are you picking microphones to accommodate that so that you don't have to add 14 K to a 57 on the snare drum to get it right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I still end up doing that stuff. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'll I'll tell you guys what, man, it is rare. The drum that requires nothing, you know, particularly if you're going for that produced polished sound. Um, and unless you're doing jazz and you want it to be all raw and floppy and yeah, and I'm not saying bad but you know but bad unless you're, but bad <laughs> but not fun but not when fun. you said raw I thought you were going to say wrong yeah <laughs> the w and the whatever is left were silent yeah, yeah. exactly um so uh, yeah I um yeah I do choose the mics that I know like I'm really into certain transient response, like again, transients. I know what microphones are going to be are quicker because again, we need those quick transients. You know, I hate a slow microphone and I won't name them, but I've got a few in mind that whenever I see them, I'm like, that is the slowest, most boring thing in the world. And we need that even if we're going to rein
0: it in. Well, I want to interrupt you there. How do you learn how to
2: listen for the speed of a microphone? I have no earthly idea. It, going back to what Jeff was saying about early on, about kind of looking around and learning, is the crowd moving? Is the crowd reacting? Yeah. I think it's along the lines of that. I, I can't. It's not fast because I see the meter move sure, faster. Sure. It's um, it's you just learn. It's a like, sound you know, you're hearing. It's, it's a sound. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you. A lot of times it's the not even small, the teeny diaphragm, sure stuff. That is such a such there's such polarizing microphones in our industry, you know, the the 91s and the 98s and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, a lot of times I do find their sound to be unnatural and a little offensive, and I get and I tire of it. However, the speed at which they move has always served me well. So I I too will try to drift away from those, but then I know. When push comes to shove, I know what I can do with them, and I just know how quick they are. Yeah. So for those sorts of things, I I just – I employ those fairly regularly. And then in other spots, yeah, I know certain frequency responses that I'm looking for. I know what mics take EQ well. Yeah. You know, um, and it really does come down to the source. I know what drums ultimately aren't going to need a lot of help, and they don't don't need a plug-in. I can go straight to the channel and go to – 5K and 8K and boost a couple DB, find the box, lose it, and then find whatever between 140, we're talking about snares here, and 220, and done. And it's amazing. Top mic only. Done you know.
0: That's like heresy that's, for some guys these days to not put a plug-in on the snare top.
2: I know, I know. And trust me, I do. But there's a lot of, t- I can't tell you how many times my, depending on what genre it is, whether they call it the ballad snare or the um, yeah. or the fat snare or the, how many times my second snare that has nothing on it is by far my favorite drum. That and it has n- sounding and, snare drum. And and those are the ones that all those samples from the 80s were made from anyway, that big goosh with yep. the piff on top. Yep. It's not the low-end that I love, it's how soft how loose they are and what that does to the top end, Yeah, you know? So, um, yes, I I have very specific reasoning behind which mics go where.
0: It reminds me, I was mixing for a a hip-hop artist once, and the drummer, he was a monster. But he comes to front of house during sound check we'd never met. And he had a very specific way he wanted the drums to sound. But the way he told me was, hey, this snare drum needs to sound like Questlove, and this Mm -hmm. one needs to sound like John Blackwell. And I was like, I got Uh, it. That's
2: all I need. I got it. (laughs) <laughs> now, you want to hear something funny? I know from going to Fallon on multiple occasions. Um, oh, God, don't let me forget. Lawrence is the mixer there. Yeah. He is my favorite TV mixer. He's an amazing human being. Quest Love specifically, when I mentioned that bottom snare louder thing earlier, loves the bottom snare. Ah. Which, as we all know, is a kind of horrid sound on it its is. own, even at, even at the best of times. But that's kind of where he wants his, and I'm not saying it ends up being louder, but he wants a lot of that. And that's that hip hop snare sound. So, um, Yeah, I love, at least references like that are kind of specific. I I had an artist once, this is great, an extremely famous artist one time tell me, he knows exactly what he wants, but he doesn't know how to phrase it. And he's like, yo, I just want my vocal to cut. It just needs to cut, you know, it needs to have that. I'm I'm hearing cut, cut, cut. It needs to have that low end. And it was just like, what? (laughs) Like the whole description just blew up in my face. I'm like, you have the worst use of words ever, but I (laughs) I know what you're trying to say.
1: (laughs) Well, and we've said this before, especially in some of our MXU Now videos, It's It's like, you have to have a sound in your head that you have to have a library of sounds that you're going for. And then it's almost like this sort of memory bank of references of audio clips to go, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for the, you know, that just crack in the snare drum from Prince Diamonds and Pearls Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And it's like, you've got to, you've got to be able to go from your brain to your fingers to get that sound to come out of the PA. And that takes reps. That takes a huge library of just listening experience as well as, okay, how do I translate that into, you know, what I'm able to do? And I think tools like virtual sound check and just being able to practice Mm -hmm. are invaluable to help, especially inexperienced or beginner guys kind of establish that, That memory bank.
2: I I agree. And you'll know going into, you know, I've become such a genre hopper. Like I know now going in, I'm like, I kind of know what these guys are listening to, or I know what they're looking for, or I've had those conversations like you described, but far less descriptive. And I know, I kind of know what they want. So you kind of got to do your homework, uh, you know, going in, but then you're Jeff, you're exactly right. Like have that, have that reference in your head.
1: So let me back up a few minutes ago, you were talking about, um, you mentioned the keys sound in Mm R&B that you're you're striving for and how to get that to speak and how to find a place for that to live. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because a lot of church guys have, you know, piano sounds that they're struggling with, Mm -hmm. um, especially with, you know, you're not micing a piano anymore. You've got a Nord stage piano or a Roland, you know, RD series or whatever it is, or a MacBook, like, Pro. Or a MacBook yeah. Pro that has some sample from some guy down the street that they thought their church was awesome. So now we've got to use this one. Mm-hmm. So just how you approach piano sounds and finding a, a place for that to live
2: yeah. generally
1: and tricks tricks that you might have to share.
2: And honestly, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh man, I don't even know if I have the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, I, I promise you the two things that strike the most fear in me is an acoustic the guitar with a DI and whatever kind of pickup in it is. That's the most unnatural sound on earth. Uh, <laughs> and then a digital piano. Those two, I would rather have a hundred person choir on the fly and a eight-person band any day than the than those two things. They're, they're just and the thing that's difficult with the pianos, digital pianos, or we'll say digital keyboards, but let's pretend we're just talking digital piano patches. Um that instrument. Those 88, or however many keys you have, it runs the gamut frequency-wise. Nothing else covers up that level of space. And the bulk of the power and the level generated is in that left hand. You know, unless they're doing Jerry Lee Lewis for a minute, and they're going to rake it, Mm -hmm. it's down there. And that is 260 hertz, 250, 400. I mean, that is all the stuff that we constantly try to carve and cut. So- what I have started to do, well, first of all, I know certain patches, I know certain keyboards that come to me, and I just I know what they are, and I know I'm only going to get so far with them. I know they're not that great. And like some of the biggest ones out there, some of the biggest top selling keyboards out there are very expensive that we see on the world's greatest stages. They're kind of a friend of mine really summed it up for me well. He's like, you know, those are designed for guitar center and headphones, and they sound like a musical score. They're so big. And the, the, they're just so wide, but they don't necessarily play well with others. They're good on their own, you know? So, that being said, I'll go in with these keyboards. I am not afraid to boost. I, I'll find like what I continually will, will find okay, what's that mid range weirdness that all of those keyboards have? There's that swimmy, swampy stuff. Yep. I'll know where it is. I'll start there. I'll put a cut there. And a lot of times it's more aggressive than what I'll end up, but it's more like, that's a placeholder. That's a note mm-hmm. to me that this is where trouble is. I will high pass if he's going to be play, he or she is playing with the band. I will pull that high pass up, and a lot of times for me it's high. I mean that thing might go like two or three hundred, not quite that high. Maybe if the system calls for that, but I'm not afraid to go to two hundred. Yeah, you know, to to clear up what's going to be covered by the bass guitar and everything else. Again, that's a placeholder. I know if it's just. Um, God, again, talking about this church where I'm working now, the guy, the guy that's got me there, Jason Dominey, who's so happy I'm there because he can play now that he's not doing all the audio stuff, but (laughs) he does this great thing where when the pastor comes in or there was a baptism the other day where he has this accompany with accompaniment with it. That's so tasteful and so perfect, man. He's so good at it. If it's just a vocalist and the piano player, keyboard player, or the whoever, and the key, I'll then know, hey, I can sl- I can slide that high pass down. Now he's got the 80 hertz. I mean, a lot of times those keyboards have way more of that stuff, though, than you would ever get naturally. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All that woof and boom is just, it's so unnecessary. But again, it's amazing in these when you sit down. So I, again, high pass, put it where I think I need it to live with the band. Find the mud. And then I'm not afraid to, st- I, this recently started. Uh, In the past few years, to boost in places I wouldn't normally think. Like maybe it's not just like, okay, and then I go to high end. I'll go like, where does it need to be harder? Where does it need to have more presence? And that might be 1K, which, you know, for I wouldn't, you know, a lot of times boosting in that area was just a no no at all costs. And now I'll go, I'll blindly sweep until I find what gives it more presence little more bite more bite a lot of times here's a tip out there i will also though look for what's that nasally thing that's bothersome that 162 and it's it's that's particular if they hold a sustain pedal that ring yeah that nasty stuff and then of course now i'm at like five bands of eq but these are just places to look guys um yep. and then i will look to see if high-end boost does anything a lot of times you're just boosting i don't even know what um dynamics on those Dynamics on keys is tough. I want it to peak a little. I don't want to round off that top. Like I want it to kind of stick out a little, yet be controlled. So I create this little transient, but tuck it with dynamics, boost it up a little there. Here's the advanced tip. Because of my involvement with R&B, I will a lot of times parallel compress keys as well. Uh. Which after you've done it with drums and then you start doing other instruments, it can be a slippery slope because then whatever's left can oftentimes sound weak. So I do uh-huh. it – that that and that parallel bus for me is oftentimes done in the very traditional way of why parallel compression was invented, uh, which was strictly to raise RMS level. Like on drums, I want it to be – it's like another bus that's kind of going crazy. I want a lot of transient in there. But the way it was designed was very fast attack, slower release, create this average thing that boosts your overall level. I will do that with keys. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So I kind of yep. mentioned a few things there. Also, if you can look into widening, maybe get it out of the middle if you have access to those sorts of tools. Like a vitamin? At, like vitamin or even like if you're in Waves world, like S1 or yeah. – They have something called sides now or center or I don't know what it's called. Anything that – just think about where it is. And then I'll also – sorry, I'm giving you a million answers, Jeff. It's great. Um, I'll also look at panning. Like, does it need to be this thing that takes up everywhere? Maybe it needs to be this. And maybe not only does it need to be this, maybe it can be this because this is sitting up. So, Mm -hmm. again, these things that I'm mentioning, I don't have any hard and fast rules, but I got a lot of tricks and I'll just keep playing with them until I find what works, you know. And for guys who aren't able to see when he
1: said this, he oh, meant sorry. not necessarily full wide, but maybe a little narrower, maybe even a little off center. Yes. So that um your keys might stay out of the way of something else. Like for example, like doing the keys off center this way and then acoustic guitar or some other guitar off center the other way to let both have a space to mm-hmm. to live and And
2: do their thing. And and also, you think about the duality of what I just said. Hey, I might go to a widener, or I might narrow it totally. (laughs) That's That's not because I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know a lot of things to do. and Yeah. Got a lot of options. Got a lot of options. So, and it also depends, again, on what else is in the arrangement, you know? Yeah.
1: I love the idea, though, of, like, the thing that I would take away is even something as simple as not thinking like the sound that the keys are playing when they're with the band is the same sound as they would be on a solo accompaniment or as an underscore. Mm-hmm. So to just ride the high pass filter is a great tip. Mm-hmm. To go, man, this needs a little more body. Let me just lower that high pass filter so that if he's just playing underneath a host moment or a prayer or a baptism, that can be a full range, full body sound. But man, when the band kicks back in, boy, that thing's going back up. Take
2: it back up. Yeah, play. Use That's your cool. console. Play. Play the desk. You know, I I, I believe in that.
0: Well, I have good news and bad news. So oh, gosh. the good news is we've gone almost an hour and that was awesome. The bad news is you're literally going to have to come do this again because there's so <laughs> much more I want to ask you.
2: Yeah, let's do it. I mean,
0: well, we got nothing but time, you know. And you're so. a professional talker now. so I am. This is what I do. <laughs> so along so. those lines, what what does the
1: what does What's Next look like for you? I mean, what have you heard in terms of getting back to it?
2: You know, it for once, okay, we talked about the political thing before. I, had, for a long while here during this time, I really didn't talk to a lot of folks because I am dialed into the political scene and I have to keep in touch with people. But for the first time ever, there's no scoop. No one yeah. knows. They don't. Yeah. They're the people that have always had very strong opinions and that have used to having the word— if you've noticed are still spouting with utter confidence what's going to happen but for the first time ever nobody knows hmm. so i've recently been talking more and more to people and it's like it all changes every week i know what i know who's what the predictions of people are yeah but it's a moving target all, all i know is it's very scary um the only people that are working with and it's not regularity. In fact, I see a lot of the house of worship market working more right. than ever because they're broadcasting, they're streaming, they're yeah. you know, again, I've got this great facility I could work out. We're at a field next to it. We're doing all these things. So that's that's a that that's one place to be lucky if you find yourself there, if your profession has you there. Cause you guys are basically the only ones working right now. So I don't know. I just, I know it's really, Pooch and I just put out a kind of a message today.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Well it, done. It,
2: thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I, and I got to be honest with you. I work, I, we wrote that with like, we need to hear these words, you know, and, and that wow. message is just keep moving. You know, I've got all the fear in the world that I'm gripped with today, every last bit of it, but I know we got to just keep going because ultimately we're, we're going to be okay. You know, we are. It's just getting there. And getting there might mean you go work at uh, the grocery store for the next year. I mean, it might look any number. This is the Great Depression for the live event world. This is it. But it will come back. People inherently are going to want to get together. Again, they are. The people will talk about the new normal. If certain businesses found that brick and mortar is not essential for their business, they have. I shouldn't say essential, but needed. Um, They have. But I do think inherently in us is the... Want to commune and to get together. So, what am I going to do, Jeff? I have no idea. I'm just going to keep moving. Um, there's a school. There's a school here in Athens called Tweed Recording. Uh, I'm starting to work with them to develop a curriculum. So, I do have things. Um, that's I'll, great. I'll end up teaching, um, working with certain companies on certain products. I am just juggling right now, trying to see what happens. And that's what I'm going to keep doing until we get back to it.
1: Well, that's a great encouragement, and we're we're cheering for you and for everybody who's kind of stuck in this. We've heard over and over and over again, you know, people just trying to keep learning, keep innovating, keep going, keep just talking and so that when we come back, we're going to be better than ever. And I think that's that's a huge encouragement. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Man Chris, we can't thank you enough for this time today. It's so great to hear from you and I can't wait to talk again soon because we've got like Lee said, a lot more questions.
2: Good. It's good for me to remember this stuff. It helps me muscle memory. Let's do it. It makes us better mixers just talking about it. Have you noticed that? It does. And, you know, a message too, aside from, you know, it's good for us all to be super involved. Don't be afraid to take time too. I think some people are feeling the pressure of, oh, I'm not getting better. I'm not doing all these things. If Matt, maybe now's the time you've always needed to chill. But I do think talking about it and like, um, I'm going to shut up because I know we're out of time. But I watched one of your videos recently. Now that we're talking about high passes, now that I think about it, Lee, it was something you were talking about, low passing a delay or something. And I saw this thing, and I was like, God, that's amazing. I've literally never thought to, do, to to automate it. I do it all the time uh, or whatever. I forgot how you were saying it, but it was very eye-opening. So, yes, I do think this makes us better mixers. Well, Chris, I'm glad that you learned something. <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> I've watched all your all stuff. I'm jealous of your tracks, too. God, you guys have the best tracks.
0: Oh, well, I'm gonna tell great. our producer that he'll he'll be flattered. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lee, what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, I have a new best friend.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I think you and I are gonna be fighting over who gets to go and learn from Chris live by playing tracks and just sort of talking about what we do. I mean, he's
0: I know. You know, it's so weird. Like, I've never heard the guy mix, but I feel like I have just by the stuff he's saying. I'm like, I just resonate with the things he was saying. Well,
1: and what's funny when he talked about the audience experience and how important that is, like the experiential part of what we do. Anybody that I've ever talked to about being at a Bruno show, their first response is, oh, it was so much fun. And then Kenny Chesney, obviously, that's his whole vibe is we're going to have fun. So it's, it's interesting how much he's in tune with that sort of audience experience part of what we do as mixers. Because for those artists, you
0: have to be. I learned a ton and I have a lot more questions. Like, I want to know what harmonic distortion he's using on which drum and why, yeah. all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then when he comes back, inevitably, um, I want to talk about like vocals in an arena. If I resonated that much with what he was saying about drums, I think with vocals, it's probably going to be something similar too. Yeah, totally. I'm just not as good as he is. I think the same way. I just can't do it. It's like
1: like watching Tiger Woods play golf, really. It's like, I know how to have a good golf swing. I just can't hit it like he does. Right. (laughs) Exactly like that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get to know him better and to keep hearing from him because it's going to be great.
0: But meanwhile, awesome. we've got a lot of things coming up, and um, yeah, you texted me this morning that the, you've got nine podcasts scheduled that yeah. I, I have to be at. So <laughs> that's awesome for all you listeners. You got nine podcasts staring you in the face coming up pretty soon. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, nine podcasts coming up, and a bunch of new content on
0: MXU now. So keep keep staying engaged with us because we got a lot more exciting things coming. Yeah, you know, we've been dropping some uh, short tips and tricks video stuff on on social too. So if you're not following us, uh, go check us out on Instagram and Facebook and stay tuned for updates on our event plans for this year. And next, Jeff and I, are we've put down in pencil a plan for uh, an online event later this year. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm actually really excited about that. I think it can be a lot of fun
1: and we might have some surprises. It's awesome. Cool. All right, everybody.
0: Until next time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you.